Thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and additional resources, we invite you to check us out on the web at www.abetterlife4.us. Take your Bible, please, and turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. It is the really the foundation verse for Cornerstone Worship Center and our vision here. We keep talking about a better life, building a better life. A better life for us is actually our, our website. You can go cwc5.com. That's the old website address, cwc5.com, or you can do a better life for dot us, uh, dot us actually. But you can uh, find us either way. And uh, a better life. It is the will of God for you to have a better life. Amen. I mean, yeah. not just be better off. Not just better off. See, we, we think of it wrong. Uh, you know, well, I got saved and, and I was better off. You know, one day I get to go to heaven, so I'm better off. Or I, you know, I was born again, and so I was better off. No, listen to me. You're better because you once were dead. Now you're alive. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. If you own a business, don't go down to the graveyard and try to hire people. You need better than that. Yes. Right? Amen. How many, how many of you know living is better than dead? Yeah, amen. 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 How many of you drove by a graveyard or two to get to church today? Thank God. Amen. You're in church. You'd rather be here. You drove by a jailhouse. You drove by the penitentiary. You drove by the courthouse. You drove, drove past the probation officer's office. You, you drove past the hospital. You drove past the doctor's office. You, you drove past a whole lot of stuff. You know, you could have been there, but you're here. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, because you want a better life. Yeah. And see, the Lord wants you to have a better life. John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. Did you notice what Jesus said about the devil, the thief? What Jesus said about the thief, the liar, the devil, what he said about him is, there is no hidden purpose behind why he comes to people. He comes for these three things, to kill, to steal rather, to kill and to destroy. I'm going to make you read the Bible right. I read it wrong for many years. I kept reading the word it in there until I did some Greek word study and found out the word it is not in there. And I looked in my King James Bible and it's even italicized in my Bible. So here's what it actually says. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have more abundantly. Did you hear what the Bible actually said right there? Did you hear what it actually said? That they might have more abundantly. It didn't say you're going to give you abundant life. That word for life up there is zoe. That's as abundant as you can get. It's the God kind of life. He's not saying I'm going to give you God's life and then I'm going to give you better than that. No, no, no. That, that doesn't make any sense. Zoe life is the abundant life. That other having more abundantly is something other than having more life. Well, let me explain it to you. This verse says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, he doesn't come. He already said kill. So he's, that's talking about taking your life. But the stealing is about taking your stuff. And the destroying is about taking the stuff. If he can't take it from you, he wants to wreck it. He wants to vandalize you. He wants to ruin what you have. 
wants to somehow create a plot. I don't know about you, but I've had demonic plots against me. Remember, we studied, in, we studied on Wednesday night. Some of you who, who attend that, Bible, that Wednesday night Bible class, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Man, we've got an outstanding Bible teacher in this church. It is such good stuff. Anyway, we studied, we studied, we studied in, that, in that class that Paul was hindered from going to the Thessalonians. He said, he said the devil hindered him like t- two different times. He said, I wanted to come two different times, and the devil w- hindered me. Listen, if the devil hindered Paul, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get hindered. Yeah. Now, he can't stop you, but he's going to do what he can to hinder people. I'm not yeah. prophesying, and I'm just saying it's the way it is. He does. How many of you think you've ever been hindered by the devil? I know I've been hindered yeah. by the devil, right? Yeah. And it had nothing to do, to do with Paul sinning. Paul didn't sin and get hindered by the devil. He just, the devil is at work. That's why we have to be vigilant and on guard and staying in the word and praying and staying in church and, and, you know, and do, doing all that we know to do. Like Pastor Jim told us last week, God does not do what you can do. He didn't put Peter's clothes on him when he was in jail. He said, get up and put your clothes on, right? He made him do all that he could do. And then the angel, the Lord God, did what Peter couldn't do. Amen. How many of you are thankful for a God who does what you can't do? I'm very thankful for that. But in this verse, we're finding an interesting, an interesting thing that Jesus said, this thief comes to kill, but I came that you might have life. Well, him giving life answers the killing. It's the remedy for the killing. Well, what's the remedy for the stealing and the vandalization? What's the remedy for that? Well, the second half of that, if you read it right, and that they might have more abundantly. Rather than being robbed from the devil all the time, you should be increasing. Rather than losing your stuff, it ought to be lasting longer. Amen. Why does it not? Because we don't have our faith on it. The only time anything that the Bible promises us works for us is when we will believe for it. You believing for it makes it happen. It doesn't happen automatically. Well, I know the Lord knows my need. I've heard that my whole life. Some good, decent Christian people. Oh, I know the Lord sees my need. Yeah? What does that do? I mean, if God moved, was moved by need, he'd spend his whole time in India. He'd spend all of his time with pagans, and he wouldn't pay you any attention at all if God was moved by need. Can I have a better amen here? Need's not what moves God. There's always been need. That's no big deal. Not that he doesn't love. He does love. But God made one move toward our need that fixed everything where he never has to do another thing. He gave us Jesus. He gave us Jesus that fixed every need we have. But he added one caveat because he knew there's just this one hook in the thing because he did not want to take away our free moral agency. He wanted you to be able to make a decision. And he says, you can have everything I've promised you on this one condition, that you'll believe it to be the truth and act like it's the truth once you hear it and understand it. Wow. 
How simple is that? You'd think a little child could get a hold of that. But I'm telling you guys with all those fancy letters, DD after their names, they don't get it. Huh? Been to college so long, they're professional students, and they still don't know the things that Jesus said children ought to know. Huh? God is a good God. He wants you to have good things. And He really is on your side. I said He really is on your side today. He's on your side. This being said like it is, it tells us something. That God has a plan. Did you know God has a plan for you? God has a plan. And His plan is, I'm going to find out today, it's four part. Listen to this. God's plan for you is, number one, to give you back what the devil took from you. That's what that verse says. Now, I know it's not popular to talk about the devil. I know it's not. I know. People don't like to talk about the devil. But listen, if, you, if it makes you uncomfortable for a preacher to talk about the devil, you are not going to like reading the red. Because Jesus not only talked about the devil, he talked to the devil. I mean, he talked about the devil a lot because he knew the real problem with mankind. Are you hearing me? I don't like preachers talking down on people saying, oh, you blame everything on the devil. You need to straighten up. Hang on. Hang on. Was it not a devil that caused us to sin in the first place? Is he a a dispensationalist and stopped doing bad things just because Jesus died? No. No. No, none of that changed. None of how he lives changed. How we live is what changed. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. This is what destroys the devil. It's faith in Christ. Huh? This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Amen. Okay? So to give you back what the devil took from you. Secondly, to conform you to the image of Jesus. God's plan includes this, that He will conform you to the image of Jesus. Thirdly, God's plan for you is to give you everything heaven can afford that is limitless blessings. I want you to hear this part of this message today when I get to it. And the fourth thing is to use you as a minister and a witness. Do you know everybody in the body of Christ has a ministry? Everybody in the body of Christ has a ministry. He does not save people just so that they can go to heaven. I mean, he wants you to go to heaven. Don't misunderstand. But he does not save you solely for that purpose. He saves you so that you can act like him in the earth. He wants you in ministry. Amen. And I do not mean for you to quit your job and, you know, get a Bible and go to preaching. I mean, all that, you know, get a Bible and go to preaching, sure, that's fine. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be in full-time ministry. That's not the will of God for everybody to be in full-time ministry. Somebody has to have jobs bringing money into the kingdom. I said somebody has to have jobs bringing money into the kingdom. Yeah. Most of us are kings out there spoiling the devil, taking back what he's been trying to steal. I am come that you might have life and that you might have more abundantly. Hmm. Missionary friend of mine down in Mexico, he uh, was accosted by some robbers one day. His name is Nick Gathers. Some of you in this room may know Nick Gathers. Nick's a fine young man. Got raising his children in Mexico on the mission field, preaches in Spanish like, like, like he's, you know, from Mexico. 
but he's really from Tulsa. And he said, that's, you know, the other river. <laughs> and he, uh, he said, uh, one day the bad guys chased him down and got his car hemmed in and they ran their bumper right up against his and they jumped out with knives and guns and threatened him and said, give us all your money. And so he said, okay. So he gave them the money in his pocket and wallet and what have you. And, and they turned around and they were cussing him and whatever. And they went back to their car. And as they almost got to their car, the Holy Spirit said to him, you didn't give them all your money. And he said, Lord, you know, I keep that money in the toe of my shoe just for incidents just like this. He said, yeah, but you told him you'd given them all your money and you didn't. Okay, he said, hey, fellas, wait a minute. And they stopped and turned around and looked at him. He's pulling off his shoe, reaching down inside his sock and pulls out this money. And said, there, I, I didn't give it all to you. Man, they were so mad, they came storming back, calling him a bunch of names and snatched the money out of his hand and turned around and headed back to the car again. And as they just got to their car and got in, the Federales came around the corner and jammed the, their car right up against the back bumper of theirs so they couldn't get away. That one or two minutes that it took for him to give them the money from his shoe gave the cops time to get there. Oh, it's better. The cops got there. They jumped out. You know, it's not the United States, and I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings with this, but, you know, sometimes Mexican justice is uh, instantaneous. <laughs> they jumped out, and they grabbed those guys. They went to whacking them with their sticks, you know, and beat them to pieces, you know. And threw them in the, put them in handcuffs and threw them in the car and took them off to jail. But before they did, they, they looked in the, in the bad guy's car, and the back seat was full of money. They'd been going around robbing all kinds of people. So they, the cops went over there, and they, and they said to the missionary, did they rob you? He said, yeah, they did. So the cop just reached in there and just got up all that money, that big old wad of money, and just walked over there and laid in it and said, hold your hands. And, and just put he said, they, they didn't steal all this from me. He said, okay, I don't care, take it. Now, it's not real important to me how missionaries go about taking up offerings. <laughs> but I think they ought to be blessed, don't you? <laughs> Woo, glory. I mean, God has a plan for you to give you back what the devil took from you. He wants you to have back what the devil took from you. I'm not going to tell you it's going to come back right that instant like it did the missionary. But I mean, it could it could. The things you've been believing for, they, they could manifest right now. Some of you have been believing God for, for miracles in your body and in your finances. You've been standing in faith for decades. You've been standing in faith for years or months or whatever. I'm just here to tell you today that it could manifest any moment because it is the will of God for you to get back what the devil stole from you. He so stole health from some of you. It's the will of God for you to get it back. So he stole a good relationship from somebody. It's the will of God for you to get it back. He, he stole all kinds of things from God's people. It's God's will for you to get it back. That you might have a better life than the one you're now living. Amen. Amen. He birthed you into this kingdom so as to make you somebody that has, is a force to be reckoned with. He doesn't want you walking around this earth always just needing mercy. 
He wants you living because you have grace upon you. Mercy says, okay, I forgive you. I won't kill you. No, but I, I thank God for that. I thank God that mercy, that mercy says, all right, I forgive you and I won't kill you this time. But I love the fact that we're not just saved by mercy, although we are, but we're mostly saved by grace. That's what the New Testament says. And grace doesn't say, I'm going to let you off. Grace says, I'm taking you into my family. Now, Romans chapter 8. Let's turn there quickly. Romans chapter 8. God has a plan for you. God's plan for us is to conform you to the image of Jesus. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Do you get anything out of this so far? I appreciate you helping me because if you help me, I preach better. Romans 8. 29 says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Does that sound like God has a plan? To be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's you. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. Talking all in the past tense. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Well, we know the glorification is a future event, but God talks about it as though it's already happened. He's already looking at you in heaven as far as he's concerned. Hallelujah. Already glorified you. I mean, woo, amen. You may not feel glorious, and you might have had a hard time getting to church, getting woke up, you know, without your coffee this morning or something. But the fact is, God's already called you glorified. Might as well walk in it by faith. You might as well get a hold of this by faith. It's not what I said. I didn't write the Bible. I just am reading it to you. Amen. I didn't write it. I just found it. Amen. If you keep digging, you'll find wonderful things in there. And you can take it like it says it. Now, you've got to watch for italicized words. I've already told you that. You do have to watch for those. But the truth is, God has a plan. He's never been going, oh, mercy me. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, there goes Charles again. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, God. Oh, God. What are we going to do? Oh, somebody come up with, somebody come up with something. Get a, get a rope. We got, huh? No, God's never been shocked. He's always had a plan. He's always had a plan for your life. He's not chasing you around. Man, you come back here, you little idiot. He, he's not trying to, huh? That's the, way we, that's the way we see God, you know. We see ourselves, these rebellious little children. God's having to chase us around like a, like an angry grandmother. No. No, he has a plan. He's working his plan. I mean, I think God's working his plan in your life right now. You're sitting in church. He's working his plan in your life right now. I said he's working his plan in your life right now. He's making the crooked parts straighter, praise God, because you decided you were going to go to church today. Amen. He's, I mean, you decided I'm, I'm making a change. My friend John right here on the front row, my friend John McClay, one of my best buddies in the world, best neighbor I ever had, because I've mostly lived in the country, but I mean, he's a pretty good fella. <laughs> hardly ever had any neighbors. <laughs> but John and I have gotten real close, and, and I was, uh, <clears throat> we came in from vacation a few days ago, and between, between the two weeks, and uh, I'm just so proud of you, John. I, I love you, man. I'm just very proud of you. He walks into my, into my uh, garage, and we've been talking about the things of the Lord for some time, and, and he says, the well, way he kind of always starts all important conversations we're going to have, he says, 
what do you call it? When you get time, I need to be saved. And I said, come on, give him a bigger hand than that. I mean, he's here in church, praise God. And I, uh, I said, what do you mean when I get time? I'm, I, this is what I live for. And I threw down all the stuff I was messing with. And we went in the house, and John gave his heart to the Lord. It was really a rededication. He'd been saved as a child and, and has made a commitment. And they've been here both Sundays since then, and I'm so thankful for that. Or maybe it's been three now. I don't know, but I'm so thankful for that. For <laughs> Amen. And uh, God has a plan for you. I wasn't supposed to come back. And he said, I knew. He told me, he said, I knew when you showed up that this was my time. He said, I was think, been thinking about it while you were gone. and thinking, man, I need to do He's not here. Why don't he come home? And he knew I wasn't coming home, but I did. Amen. Amen. You see, God's got a plan. God's got a plan for you. He works his plan. He works his plan. Makes it work. I was thinking about that story, you know, uh, when it just seems like it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. I heard about a lady who paid a grave digger an extra $20 to dig a grave in the trail that her husband used to walk through the, walk through the cemetery at night to sneak back home after he'd been drunk. Made her so mad. He was always, and she knew right where, how he was sneaking across there. There's a little trail at the back of the cemetery, and she had the grave digger go out there and dig a hole. <laughs> Long about dark, an old boy comes walking along there who is drunk, but it's not her husband. <laughs> he falls right off in that thing headlong. He jumped and scraped and jumped and scraped and he couldn't get out. He jumped and scraped and he couldn't get out. He couldn't get out. Finally, he just went over there and sat down in the corner in the dark and waited. About an hour later, along comes the man's, uh, the woman's husband. He fell headlong into the same grave. He jumped and scraped and jumped and scraped, couldn't get out. About that time, a real spooky voice out of the corner of the darkness of that grave said, You can't get out of here. But he did. <laughs> Just when you think it can't happen, it can happen for you. Mm -hmm. God's plan for you is to conform you to the image of Jesus. I was uh, talking to a friend one day who had on pink clothes. I said, uh, what, uh, what happened there? <laughs> Your wife goes shopping for you? He said, no, I made this myself. Had a white t-shirt on, but it was pink. Well, it looked like it was supposed to be a white t-shirt, but it was pink. I said, uh, you got to wiggle with that t-shirt? He said, no. He said, I, I, uh, I did this accidentally. <laughs> and, uh, I said, what do you mean? He said, well, my wife went grocery shopping and she had this big load of white clothes laying there and she said, honey, would you put those in the, in the washer while I go get groceries? 
He says, sure enough, baby. He says, so I just reached down there and got them. Put them in the washer. Put the stuff in there, you know. Shut it down. And he said, and I went back in there after they spun and looked in there, and everything in there was pink except for this one red sock right in the middle of them. <laughs> he said, I thought sure I had them separate. One red sock influenced everything else in there. They didn't influence the sock. It influenced them. You understand? Jesus is supposed to be conforming you. You don't conform him. We don't make him a kind of God that we want. No, he is the God we need. Amen. We're the ones. You're supposed to conform to him, not him conform to you. Some people say, well, we don't believe that. We don't believe in that healing stuff. We don't believe in that speaking in tongues. We don't believe in music in church. We don't believe in that. You know, they define everything that they believe by what they don't believe you see trying to get God in some way to conform to what they want him to be like but the fact is that we are called to be conformed that means when you got saved Jesus began to insist on you changing I got two people who understood that. I mean, when you, you got saved, how many of you had it, had it realized that on the inside, Jesus began, the Spirit began to insist that you change? I mean, you used to could just say anything you wanted to say. Oh, man, I'll give you a piece of my mind. Not that you could afford it, but you were always giving people pieces of your mind. You remember? <laughs> well, and then when you got saved, He just wouldn't let you say just anything you wanted to say. I mean, you, if you did... You didn't get away with it. And you didn't have to have some preacher run around chasing you and say, you better straighten up. No, the Holy Ghost is on the inside talking about straightening up. Holy Ghost on the inside. And he's not going, shame on you. He's going, think about Jesus. Jesus would say, Jesus would do. Jesus, and it's not a bracelet. It's a Holy Ghost that dwells on the inside of us talking about Jesus to us conforming us to his image not from on the outside like it's a law but from on the inside like it's our nature big difference right there big difference in being told you got to obey and having a want to to obey on the inside see I never had that before I got born again I wanted to disobey I just waited for them to tell me what I needed to do so I could figure out how to do the opposite don't tell me I've got a plan of my own. Well, God has a plan for you. And one plan is to make you look like Jesus. That's why it starts with a new birth, so that on the inside, you look like him. Now, don't misunderstand. People saw, saw my, my beautiful children when they were born, and they'd say... They'd say, oh, he looks just like his daddy. And I'd think, he don't look like me. I have teeth. He doesn't look like me. I don't have all that fat on me, them chubby little cheeks and dimples in the back of my hands and, you know, smelly diaper. Well, most of the time, anyway, I didn't smell like me or look like me. I really couldn't hardly see that much about Eric that looked like me at all. 
How many of you think he kind of looks like me now? See what I'm talking about? You got born again, and the father looks at you and says, Oh, she looks just like Jesus. Now, you don't see it. You got born again, you look in the mirror and go, still looks a lot like me. I feel somewhat. I mean, there's something different on the inside. I don't think the same as I used to think, but I sure still don't see him in me. Let me tell you something. All you need today is growth. That's all you need today is growth. If you've been born again, you just need to grow. Just need to pull up to the table on Sunday morning and eat like you like you starved. Eat like this is going to be the last meal you ever get. Receive every word. Don't ever go to church. Don't ever go to church and say, well, let's see what this preacher's got to say. Because I'm telling you, 40 years from now, you'll still be sitting there, well, let's see what this one's got to say. Huh? And you'll still be a big old whiny, ignorant baby. Huh? Still have all that baby fat with a beard. <laughs> Third thing I want you to see is found in chapter 8 of Romans. Still, look at verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Do you hear this question of logic? It's a question of logic. It's a question of logic. Tim, is that little clone of yours up, uh, uh, here in the nursery? Yeah. Have you seen this? Have you seen Tim's little boy? Man, he looks just like his daddy. Mercy me. I mean, but he's cute anyway. You know, I mean, he's, he's really, really. And uh, Tim, I want to ask you a question. If they came up to your house and you could only keep one thing, they said, Tim, we're taking your house, your car, and your money, or we're taking the boy. Which would they get? They'd get the money. They'd get the money. Because there's nothing more valuable to you than your son. Is this right? Right. Uh, that's why this is a logical statement. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. And his question is, how shall he not? How is he going to give you Jesus and refuse you something else? How's he going to go about giving you Jesus and then say no when you need finances? How's he going to give you Jesus and then say no when you need healing? It just doesn't make any sense. He already gave you Jesus. That's proof. He gave you Jesus and it's proof that everything else, everything else, everything else is yours. Praise be to God. Listen to this. God's plan means that it is his will to give you everything heaven can afford. Not everything that earth can afford, but whatever God can afford. That's what that teaches us. He gave us Jesus. He'll give you anything. Come on. Say it, say it to your neighbor there. He will give you anything. Now listen, I, I, I need to make this one qualifier. Anything that he's promised. He's not going to give you your neighbor's wife. Huh? No, no. He's not going to give you that. 
He's not going to give you a heroin buzz without being on heroin. He's not going to give you that. He's not going to do that. He's not going to let you go to Thackerville and win a bunch of money. I know, you pray about it. Oh, Jesus, give me. No, 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 no. He's going to give you the things he promised. Amen. Amen. But to give you everything heaven can afford. I think about when Miss Ann and I went to Rome. This church sent us to Rome a few years ago, and I'm a history buff and just love it, love the layers of history that are in that great city. <laughs> but we were there on Sunday morning. Uh, we became partners with Creflo Dollar in Rome. You know why? Because we were in the, what, what is considered to be the, the, the capital city of Christendom. And there was no place to go to church. There are churches everywhere, but there's no place for us to go to church. You know? And even if we did show up at one of the Catholic churches there, you know, we wouldn't know what they were talking about. Something about God. We, we, we wouldn't know, hopefully. So we didn't go. We just sat in the hotel room. And I said, what are we going to do? I mean, you're going to preach. You receive the offering, and I'm going to preach. I mean, we have to have church. It's Sunday morning. You can call me religious, but I just believe in being in church on Sunday. And she said, uh, she said, well, turn on the TV. We had two English channels, MSNBC and CNN. Which one of those do you think had preaching on it? She said, she said well, turn on the television and see if some, there's any preaching on TV. I said, Ann, we have two English-speaking channels. No. Turned it on, CNN's on. I said, I told you, it's just more news. And she's in the bathroom getting dressed. I mean, she's already dressed, but I mean, she's putting on makeup, you know, and I'm sitting there on the bed looking at her and looking at the TV. She said, well, try that other channel. I said, Ann, it's MSNBC. NBC. Not going to have preaching on it. She said, just try it. Flipped it over there. Creflo Dollar was preaching the gospel on it. In English. In Rome, Italy. I said, Pastor Dollar. Sat on the back. I said, get in here, woman. Get. She said, I said, you don't really have to fully dress for church here. I mean, we're in the hotel room. She came in there and sat down and got our hearts edified. I came straight home. Well, anyway, wound up sending him money and became a partner. You know, I just felt like God showed me something there. But, but the truth is, he's, he's, uh, he wants you to have your inheritance. He wants you to have your inheritance. And while we were there, while we were there, it's a long flight to Italy. How many of you have ever been? You've been, been to Europe? Anybody been to Europe? You fly across the ocean or did you paddle? You, you flew. It's a long way over there, isn't it? I mean, it's just a long way. Even in an airplane, it's a long flight. I don't know how long we were in the plane, but it's a long way. And we're flying. And so the night went by real fast, flying that direction. You know, it's like the night was like four hours long or something. We got over there. We were tired. And we'd had, you know, we were, we, were, we were back there, back there in the back part of that plane. We weren't up there in the front part. We were back there in the back part of the plane where every now and then you'd, you'd hear something like this. <laughs> I mean, they back there with the cattle. Uh, we, 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 were, we were back there. About three days before we got ready to leave, Miss Ann said, the next time I'm telling you this, Mr. Holler, she said, the next time I fly across that ocean, I'm flying first class. Well, I, if you know anything about airline tickets, you know that first class isn't twice what the other one is. It's more like three or four times what the other one is. And I said, well, okay. I'm thinking, I ain't never coming back to this place. 
We already had our ticket for return, you know. We get to the airport to come home, and we're walking toward our gate, and a guy comes running up behind us with a suit on. He said, sir, ma'am, sir, ma'am, with a heavy Italian accent. Sir, ma'am. Stop and turn around. He comes up and says, could I see your ticket? I said, well, you can look at it. <laughs> Don't ever let anybody touch your ticket when you're in a foreign airport. <laughs> you can look at it. <laughs> he said, well, I, I work for the airlines, you know, sort of. I said, okay. So he, he said, I'd like to trade you uh, for, for this ticket. I said, no, we're going home, going to, going to Texas. And he said, he said, well, I can't fly you directly to New York and then to Dallas. I'd like to fly you to Chicago into Dallas, but you'll leave about an hour later from here if I, if I could trade tickets with us. No, not interested in that. He said, he said, well, I said, why would I want to do that? He said, because I'm going to fly you first class if you'll wait one hour and fly to Chicago. And I looked at Miss Ann and said, who are you? Amen. Amen. She didn't say the next trip over here. She said the next time I fly across that water. And we did. And I want you to know, I don't care how long it took to come home. That was part of the vacation. First class, oh, man. We had little blinders on. <laughs> sleeping. Had our own movie theater. Each, everybody gets their own little movie theater. Whatever t videos you want, you got your own little machine. You're sitting there. They say, "Will you be having the what was that other stuff that I didn't get? The chicken cordon bleu, or 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 the prime rib? <laughs> I don't care. Just bring it. I don't care what it is. Just bring it. Just set it down right there. Oh, it was awesome, huh? It's the will of God to give you." Everything heaven can afford. Now, here's how religion approaches it. Religion says, oh, you wait till you get to heaven. How many of you are glad you're going to heaven? Let me see your hands. I want to see the hands of everybody that's glad you're going to heaven. Because, you know, they've made us understand that heaven is a wonderful place. Heaven is a wonderful place. I am in no way going to say anything contrary to that. I'm just telling you, heaven's a wonderful place. We're going there, and it's the real reason why we get saved, so we'll end up in heaven. However... Religion says all these promises that Jesus made, you're going to get them when you get to heaven. I said, wait just a minute. That means this book is not really a covenant. This book is not really a will. Because nobody writes a will and says, all right, I'm going to leave all my kids, all my wealth, and they get it after they die. Nobody writes a will like that. You read the book of Hebrews and it says the will is in force after the one who wrote it dies. The will is in force after the one, I don't know about you, but my Jesus already died. Amen. And he rose again from the dead to be his own mediator, to be his own counsel, to be his own lawyer at the reading of the will. Thank God for those who show up on a regular basis at the reading of the will. Amen. It's the will of God to give you whatever heaven can afford and heaven can afford plenty. Amen. I want you to notice this last thing. God's plan for you is to use you as a minister and a witness. Acts chapter 26. Let's turn there quickly and I'm finished. Are you getting anything out of this today? Come on, help me out. I need you to help me out today. Acts chapter 26, verse 16. 
Jesus speaking to the Apostle Paul says, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, that's us, that's us, Gentiles, that's us, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Here's Jesus giving Paul the commission saying that we were under the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Jesus says we're going to be sanctified how? By faith. Amen. Justified by faith. Glorified by faith. Amen. An important Thing to hear over and over. God has a plan and His plan for you is to use you as a minister and a witness. Most of us spend too much time praying about an open door to be able to witness. Oh Lord, give me an opening here in this conversation. Really? You have to have God make a supernatural thing happen to give you an opening in a conversation before you can talk about the thing that's dearest to your heart? Not me. Not me. I don't ask him for openings to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, Lord, just give me an opening here so I can tell them how much I love the Cowboys. No. If you're around me about three minutes, you're going to know I love the Dallas Cowboys. I'll make my own opening. Because <laughs> somebody will bring up some blasphemous thing like the Redskins, and immediately I'm going to start talking about the Cowboys. Huh? Huh? Well, why do we have to have an opening to talk about Jesus? Huh? If you love me, you just automatically talk about it. I don't ask people if, if it's okay with them if I talk about my grandchildren. Hey, you knew I was a grandparent before you came to my house. I try not to hurt, you know, try not to hurt anybody's feelings who have grandchildren, you know, when they see how much superior mine are than theirs. I really try not to do that. But sometimes it's unavoidable. <laughs> uh -huh. but all of our job is to be in ministry it's all of our job we're in ministry right there on your job to be a minister and a witness I did a lot of marriage counseling when I worked for the Santa Fe Railroad yeah yeah guys whose marriages were getting in trouble Come find me. I had one guy who was always, I mean, always giving me a hard time. I mean, always arguing with me. Anytime I said anything about Jesus to another, to another guy on the railroad, well, he'd always butt in. See, well, there you go with all that Jesus stuff. You think that's the answer to everything. Well, John, it's not. There are life's problems that are just too complicated. You can't be, you know. I said, man, what did I do to you? I didn't, I didn't ask you to get in this conversation, you know. I'm telling you, when I worked on the railroad, I witnessed to people. You understand? And there are a few times I came real close to witnessing to them with the end of my knuckles. Take that, you lousy pagan. Help him, Jesus. You know, I, I'm, I'm just telling you how it was, you know. And these guys, if you get in an argument with a railroader, you might just be in a fist fight right, you know, the next minute or two. And I ain't going to let them beat me up. Not without trying. And... Uh, one day, he came running to me. He saw me coming up 
to work, and I got out of my car. And he comes running up to me, John, 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 you got you to pray for me, man. You got to pray for me. Uh, wow. Big tears. He said, oh, my God, I'm about to lose my family. I said, you are. And I wanted to say, oh, what the heck do I care, you jerk? You deserve it, you jerk. He did. But I didn't. I'm telling you, instantly, I don't know where it came from, but just instantly my heart just melted for him. And I just took him in my arms, and he just melted like a little child in my arms. This guy had resisted me, called me names, just, just melted into my, into my arms. And I just stood there and pastored him right on the railroad, talking to him about Jesus and how everything's going to be all right. We're going to get through this. I said, what you need, though, Mike? His name is Mike Bond. I said, Mike, you need to make a commitment to Christ. He said, I know it. I've been putting it off. I'm so sorry the way I treated you. I said, that's okay, you jerk. <laughs> I mean, you know, it took me a little while to get over it, but I did. Amen. He got saved and his wife got saved. Amen. Can I have a good amen? Praise God. You're a minister right where you are. God called you to be a minister. You don't know who you're impacting. You don't know who you're affecting until you just do it. Until you just do it. I, Pastor Jim Hester, and I've I got to finish with this story. Pastor Jim Hester, my pastor, you all met him last week, right? Did you like the little man? Boy, he's about 100 times bigger on the inside than he is on the out, isn't he? I mean, I love that man. Blesses my life. He's been our pastor for 20 years this, this September, Miss Ann and I. <clears throat> so thankful to have him in, in our lives. And pastor Jim, he, he travels with the world. He, not so much now, but he, you know, for the last 20 years, he's traveled immensely once he retired from uh, his pastorate. And uh, one time he went to Hawaii, and he was over there for several weeks doing a thing with the Southern Baptists. He actually technically is, is a Southern Baptist preacher. <laughs> I don't know why that strikes me as funny, but, you know, they don't all speak in tongues. Anyway, he does, and... And he, he still is a card-carrying member, you know. And, and uh, so once in a while, and if they have something foreign, they'll, they'll call on him to go do it. You know, they don't want him in the United States saying he's Baptist. But when he goes for, to foreign fields, and I, listen, I love the Baptists. How many of you got saved because of the Baptists? Let me see your hands. All right, we're not, we're not slamming the Baptists. We, we're thankful for what they've done in the world. But he, uh, he, he was in Hawaii doing one of these things for the Baptist uh, uh, Association. And uh, just, just a few years ago, I'm going to say seven or eight years ago, and he, he said, uh, he said, well, it had to be more than that because we were still in, in West Texas. But he, he said he was walking through this huge mall with one of the premier pianists of the Southern Baptist Convention. And this guy was there as their music specialist, you know, and Pastor Jim was doing some preaching. And, and he said, but we were walking through the mall in the middle of the day just, you know, just out talking to people and inviting people to the crusade and what have you. And he said, and there's this lady over there trying to sell us a credit card. You know, she's trying to get us to sign up for a credit card. And it was Sears or J.C. Penney. I don't remember which one it was. And uh, it was Sears. And he, he, said, he said, I looked over at her and said, no, I, I don't need a, 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 JC, I'm a, a Sears, Penny car, a Sears uh, credit card. I said, I've, I've had one for many, many years. I, I don't need one of those. And she said, well, come over here and look at this. You might want. He said, when we got close, she, he said, she kind of started talking a little lower. She said, I need you to know about my real opportunity I want to I show you. She said, She's kind of looking around. She said, really, I just do this to make money. But my real job is to tell people about Jesus and how to go to heaven. Do you know Jesus and do you know how to go to heaven? Pastor Jim said, uh, 
Yes, as a matter of fact, I'm born again. He said, I never had anybody in years just be that bold with the witness. And said, said uh, yes, in fact, I'm, I'm born again and spirit-filled. This is so-and-so, and we're here with the Southern Baptists. We just love the Lord. And we're having a great convention. Thank you for being a witness for Jesus. She said, well, where are you from? He said, oh, I'm from Texas. And he said she kind of got starry-eyed and stood up and looked off in the distance and said, oh, I used to live in Texas. She's, she's Filipino originally. And he said, really, you lived in Texas? He said, what were you doing there? She said, oh, I was married to a military man. And she said... My pastor that won me to the Lord and prayed for me when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Do you speak in tongues? He said, well, I do, but, you know, this guy doesn't. And uh, <laughs> said, uh, said, well, said, my pastor that prayed for me and I received the baptism in the Spirit. said, he's still there, as far as I know. She, and Pastor Jim knows everybody. He said, well, who would that be? She said, oh, you probably never heard of him. He's in a place called San Angelo. He said, well, I preach in San Angelo a lot. Who, who's your pastor? He said, I have a son in the faith there. She said, well, his name is John Holler. He said, John Holler, that's my son in the faith. She didn't win him to Jesus right then, but... Uh, <laughs> He came home and he was so excited and he told me that story. And you know what he said? He said, son, I don't know what you're teaching them at that church of yours. But whatever it is, you better keep it up. Because they're going all over the world trying to win even preachers to Christ. Hallelujah! God called you to be a minister. And a witness. It's, your, it's his will. He, I mean, he could use the big names, but he'd rather use you. Because you're more believable than the guy the big name. Are you hearing me? You're more believable. A next door neighbor, a friend at work, somebody's waiting for you to just let the Spirit of God that's in you reach out to them and see that as your real job. Come on, tell somebody, witnessing is my real job. Come on, tell another person, witnessing is my real job. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, I hope you got something out of that today. Let's stand up on our feet. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Once again, thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. We would like to invite you to one of our services in McKinney, Garland, or Little Elm. And for information about service times and addresses, please check us out on the web at www.abetterlife4.us. God bless you.